Good morning, good morning. I had to fire Q and replace him with our guy, Chris Drew. Good oh, morning, he's gang. this morning. What's that? You're rapping this morning. Oh, yeah, I know. I had to steal a little bit of Cam's flow. I don't got no Sammy Brown type of flows, but, you know, feeling a little Dr. Susie this morning. How's it going, Chris? Good, brother. Happy to be here. Good morning. Appreciate that. I spent spent all morning writing the show notes, watching interviews, and I'm like, wait a minute. We have Buckeye News. We did a live stream last night. The Buckeyes got a commitment. So before we dive into wide receiver room interviews, I want to get your thoughts on five-star commitment, Edric Houston. Well, a couple things here, right? Like, first, you're glad that you finally got one because, you know, there's that list that came out. You know, we're going to get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, all the five stars, including Dylan Stewart, um, a guy who I thought should have been a five-star and in, in, in Marky Slightfoot. And you seem to be second place you, right? We're we're up there for all of them until commitment date. Then you see that crystal that crystal ball flip, and all of a sudden he's not a Buckeye. This one feels good to land a five-star from Georgia, from the same school as, uh, as our guy Dylan Rayola. Um, who I think is probably a top 15 player nationally. Um, one of the best defensive tackles, I think, in the country, but can play inside or outside, depending on necessity. Um, and shout out to, you know, Larry Johnson for right now having the most loaded room on defense. I mean, right now that's that's two five stars. I know they don't have the kind of the numbers for it, but I mean, that's that's a really good start to the class. And unlike previous Larry Johnson years, you're getting five stars in early. Um, so, you know, you want to complain about, you know, uh, we we missed this guy, this guy, this guy, or Larry doesn't land guys, you know, year round. Probably right. But if he's going to fix it, let him try to fix it this year. And so you have two five-star, you know, defensive linemen in, and you're kind of waiting and seeing on, on the rest of them. But I really like the kid. The, the, the kid's a really good ball player. Um, the kid knows what he's doing. Um, and... I thought that Bam- I was worried about Bama at first. Obviously, when when kids go to that damn Bama cookout, Ron, like it's usually cooked. They taste Nick Saban's ribs, and bro, then it's that Ty Lockwood hot dog, bro. It's the closer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole Ty Lockwood thing was one of the most confusing things ever, bro. First came in the class, never wavered, never even visited anywhere, and then boom, he tasted some rib sauce and he was cooked. So I'm saying, bro, we got to get some of that up in Columbus. Definitely not that bullshit that they're serving over in Ann Arbor because that's not gonna get it done. Uh, maybe maybe he saw maybe he saw that uh, pre-camp dinner, the lobster, the crab legs, a big boy from down south said, "I'm coming up there for that." <laughs> yeah, for sure. He said, "I gotta, I gotta get me some um, trench warfare." It does feel like Ohio State's like really. I mean. Like, this defensive line class, the potential of it, like, with those two huge guys that are going to be right around 300 pounds in the middle, what's that perfect for, Ron? Because to me, it sounds perfect for stopping Michigan in the long term. Like, that run game shit is dead. Um, I would like those two matched up against Jordan Marshall any day of the week. And uh, and I would like, you know, them lined up against Ben Roebuck any day of the week. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely take that. And at this point in recruiting, that is um, – that is what's important, and that's what I'm looking at kind of long-term. Yeah, and, I mean, we for years have been complaining about the size of our interior defensive line. What What is Larry's aversion to recruiting 300-pound defensive linemen or guys that can get up to that weight? You know, two, uh, Houston's at 275 now, but that kid has the frame to really pack it on, and I feel like Larry's really putting an emphasis on strengthening that interior defensive line. So I think this is a huge get for the fuck for the Buckeyes. I think it's a huge win for Larry. I mean, you saw him singing Larry's praises. Both commitments in this class have really credited Larry for their commitment. So, I mean, hats off to him. You know, I'm not taking my hat off, but. You know the saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I do think I do think Ohio State has kind of figured out a way around the negative recruiting that Larry's going to retire here pretty soon. Um, I think he's going to be an analyst whenever he does, does decide to retire and just kind of do the whole teaching thing like a guy like Tim Hinton. So uh, right now, obviously, you know, Houston is in, and, and you like that. Uh, and – it gives some flexibility because he can play either or inside or outside, Ron. And so, like, if you're not able to go get two defensive ends, 
you do feel good about him being one of the defensive ends in the class. But you got you got to land multiple. I mean, last last year you only landed one in Mickens, um, and it's kind of turned to two um, because uh, the the uh, you know Arvell has been kicked kind of to defensive end like someone would have thought because he was fucking 16 years old and and, and you know six four and one of the best blitzers in the country so yeah. exactly right. I, I think that's definitely going to be uh added to the edge there do you think uh, something that we've talked about uh off air before is the lack of uh dominant ed ru- edge rushers that have appeared in the transfer portal in the transfer portal era with these potential misses at edge, do you think that that is a position that the Buckeyes will find a way to solidify in the transfer portal if they're not able to round out this class with some edge guys? I mean, I mean, by golly, gosh darn it, I sure hope so. I know we're not the biggest <laughs> in the, uh, I know we're not the biggest crossed. in the Tampa world. Yeah. Where's Kodak Black when you need him? Like, I, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I, I do think because of how early we missed out on our top targets, I do think that Ohio State has plenty of time. I actually know Ohio State has plenty of time if they would like to go get a project kid, they can get him in a class. The issue with last year's defensive end class is that you were chasing the Keeleys, the Wilsons, the Mateos up until way, way late. And, and then they were all happens, blowing smoke up your ass the entire time. Yeah, bro. Someone said, if I get a pick with LeBron, I'm committing. Took a pick with LeBron and committed somewhere else. That was not the agreement, but we're not even going to get This man got a pick that. with LeBron at Ohio State in his dorm at Bama. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, wild. So I, I do think because the big fish have come off the board early instead of us chasing them way, way late, it might end up being to the benefit of Ohio State because Larry then can take a step back and reset and go get somebody else. Um, I know a Booker Pickett Jr., uh, is a guy that's going to be in play hyper hyper productive bro like like Love hi- watch yeah <laughs> hyper hyper productive i don't know if you know ron but his uncle played football at ohio state so he's got all, he's got ohio ties now his dad played football at miami so there's the ties there as well but it doesn't seem like taylor's kind of been been really pushing for him and they kind of like their class right now with the with lightfoot um, and rudolph but I was told that Lightfoot still isn't maybe the most solid, and there is some belief from from some some of the uh, some of the money teams that you could circle back with him when it's time. But right now, the fact of the matter is, with the guys off the board, you have time to evaluate. Go find a late bloomer. We tout you as the goat. Go show us why you're the goat, not just in teaching, but go evaluate the shit out of somebody and bring somebody on board. Yeah, I mean, and if you're not going to go evaluate some, or if you're not going to hit the road and go evaluate someone's. Spend an extra day or two in the office with Pantone and find someone on Huddle. There's yeah, this fancy please. thing called the internet that'll let you recruit nationally without having to get on a plane. So tap in with our guy Mark. He's in the same building. I'm sure you guys have met before. <laughs> Bro, have you have you heard some of like like the recruiting stories from like the pre-huddle days? No. Bro, these dudes, I I mean, NFL players talking about, yeah, like it sucked because you would have to like send your tape out like via the mail. And if a school really wanted you, they would keep the tape for a long time and wait to send it back so you couldn't send it out to any other schools that <laughs> might want you. <laughs> so my buddy, he played high my buddy played high level soccer and he said, I'm so glad that like I never posted my highlight film because the coaches would play it on road trips and laugh at kids. So like the whole team, like the whole team's oh. on the bus traveling for a road game, and they'd pull up all the freshmen's highlight, and the whole team would just be cooking them the entire time. Kids juggling in their driveway, doing moves in their front yard, and the whole team's just clowning wow. them. He's like, I'm just so glad that I didn't have a highlight tape that I submitted because all we did was get flamed by the coaching <laughs> staff in front of the entire team. <laughs> absurd. Definitely absurd. So... That pretty much wraps up recruiting. That was another huge get. You know what we say, the Buckeyes stopped recruiting in June. So to see us add multiple five stars in the month of, or multiple five stars since then is huge for the Buckeyes and exciting to see and a great way to keep this uh, class going. But yesterday, um, the wide receiver room, Brian Hartline and the wide receivers met with the media and they had some interesting interesting things to say so i just want to get your thoughts on that of course lazily every single person 
got asked about the quarterback battle. And it might as well be a wasted question. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't follow up with, who did you guys vote for in the 2016 election? Like, (laughs) what the fuck are we asking them at this point? Like, you know they're not going to answer. Why ask? Just fucking ask a meaningful question that you're going to get an answer from. You guys have been doing this for 20-some years for some of these people. Why not go in there and ask a question that you know you're going to get an answer for and not ask something you know they're not going to answer? As if you haven't been doing this and this isn't your paid job. Like, you don't know what type of answer you're going to get. Agreed. Agreed. Like, go... I guess everyone's trying to quote unquote break a story, but sorry, folks, we already broke it. Um, the next <laughs> shout out to Menace of Sports, <laughs> shout out to the guys. So the, the next part of it is like, you know that even if like you're you're putting one of those players in danger of like getting in trouble, like they can't let anything slip. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to put it on wax. They're not going to do it in front of a whole bunch of cameras. So like, be respectful to the head coach and the fucking football player. Like, come on now, and the young man. Like, can we can we have some just better questions, please? And thank you. So I, I 100% agree with you. But no, a lot a lot interesting did come out of did come out of the, the wide receivers. I think I mean, I get I guess it's part of their job to ask. But I feel again, it's very disingenuous. You know, they're not going to answer the question. The only way you're going to get a question is if you're going to get a 18 to 20 year old kid to say something that he's not supposed to say. And I mean, if that's your like style of journalism, I I guess pat on the back. I mean, or you could just try to be better, but whatever. Go ahead, try to trick a, a kid yeah. into saying something you know he's not supposed to answer because you couldn't actually use your reporting skills to get the answer that you want. So here we go, Ron. If you want to know about the quarterback battle, how about instead of asking a kid in front of a whole bunch of cameras, how about you build a relationship, a real one, and not just a media relationship with some of the people in and around the program? Because once you do that then it doesn't have to be that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be, I'm using you for information. You'll just learn things because people talk. Because naturally, when when someone finds something out, they would like to share. Now, are they going to share it with you if they know that you run journalism like this? Fuck no. But Chris, why would you, why would you build relationships when you have a credential? <laughs> you, you already have your access. You're mm-hmm. in the door. The mm-hmm. job's done. The beat is like the person that does steroids and not go to the gym. <laughs> like, brother, you got the steroids. Hit the gym, too. But sensitive topic around Ohio State right now. Bro, talk to me. I'm about sorry, bro. You just teed up a funny story, and it's not football related. But my high, my college roommate, man, he had a, fr- he had a girlfriend his freshman year in college. <laughs> and she used to call him all the time and tell him, man, I'm putting on so much weight. I don't know why. I'm putting on weight. I don't know why. He's like, babe, like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. Mike told me if I took creatine powder, I would get fit. It's like, oh, well, you're going to the gym? She's like, no. She's pounding creatine shakes. Pounding. Not working <laughs> hilarious man like are you drinking creatine not working out like why am i gaining weight i don't know you're just pounding calorie shakes every day pounding it (laughs) so something else that mar said super interesting uh well he hadn't said anything interesting at that point because they opened up uh with a question about the quarterback battle but a name that kept coming up in these interviews yesterday was carnell tate and he said something crazy yesterday he said that carnell tate is in a better place right now than marv himself was coming into his sophomore year which was last year i just want to get your thoughts on that comment and if it's true what does it mean for this wide receiver rotation that is an insane endorsement like an actually insane endorsement i mean it doesn't feel like a participation, like a, a flower. Like, you know, when, when Floyd Mayweather says about everybody, oh, he's a hell of a fighter. Like It's like, okay, at first it's like, oh, shit. Like, like Floyd just said he's a hell of a fighter. But then after the third time, it's like, okay, like everyone's a hell of a fighter. But with Marv, we never, we never really hear Marv give major, major flowers like that. And to know that you could have a version of last year's Marvin Harrison Jr. in the room right now strengthens 
what's kind of been coming out of the Woody, that he is the the best freshman receiver since Ryan Day got there. And, like, as soon as those concentration drops go away, the sky is the absolute limit. And it makes sense because during, during the recruitment process, he was highly, highly, like, sought after by Brian Harline when maybe he wasn't by some other schools and on a, it might end up helping the branch miss that that kind of hurts me to this day because the way they talk about Carnell Tate in terms of getting open getting in and out of breaks being able to run routes at full speed being physical at the release point and being able to go up and get a ball while also being fluid like I just I just don't know how you keep him off the field. And the more you hear Ryan Day talk about him, Brian Hartline talk about him, now maybe the best player on your team talk about him, how do you keep him off the field? I kind of want to flip that question on you because if you don't know how you keep him off the field, do you know how you get him on the field? And where do you see him fitting in? And what would that wide receiver rotation look like? Because he's been repping at X all offseason. You have Emeka locked in at the slot. How does that shake up that rotation? Who moves where? Do you just put Carnell in at Z? Do you slip? Do you slide Marvin to the slot like we saw sometimes last year and let Emeka play Z and have Carnell out there at the X and I mean and have just matchup nightmares galore? How do you envision that playing out if he were to uh, break that rotation in the top three? One of the things I, I asked Zach about um, on the show was how different is the X from the Z? And he said in Ryan Day's offense, they're pretty interchangeable. And, and so when he says that, it's like, okay, like if he's repping behind Marv, that means Marv is kind of leading the way. But also he can play the Z if needed. So Can play the Z if needed as far as skill set and, and similar uh, route concepts. But like at what point do you have to start knowing – both roles, especially as a true freshman. Wait, when, he said when, both roles are like almost almost identical, I guess. So as far as uh, you don't think it's a double load as far as understanding the playbook as knowing the routes for both positions. Yeah, I don't I don't I, maybe it's it's a little bit expansive, but all the routes you run at the X, you'll run at the Z. Um, maybe, maybe just the looks to the quarterback look a little bit different, but it's much easier than trying to like cross train a corner to play safety, which we love to do <laughs> for everybody or our quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's funny. Like, like I'm wondering if Carnell Tate will do the thing that like Ryan day has avoided since he got to Ohio state and let's go four wide because if Carnell Tate is that good and you don't want to pull Julian Fleming off the field, it makes me wonder like we like like in terms of like separation points and like being that much better than somebody else it's like if i can grow the separation point because honestly who's fourth best db is better than carnell tate i don't think there's a team in america like that's what we saw lsu do lsu said we, we recruit the receiver position really well we have four guys we think can play we're going to go four wide because we think our wide receiver recruiting and development is better than your DB recruiting and development. And we want to force you to try to stop us. And at least at some point in some game, maybe in a two minute drill, maybe you explore having that four wide. If you're that locked in with Julian Fleming and you don't want to pull him off the field, then fuck it. Put someone else on the field. You have to have the utmost confidence, though, that you're going to be able to succeed in the pass game when you go four wide. Brian Day has talked about this numerous times over the year and what his hesitancy is to go four wide, and it feels like it makes them too predictable because they it's so hard for them to run out of that and are so unlikely to run out of that. It feels like it makes them too predictable. So do you but ba- feel— But does Baby Burrow fix that? I mean, I and- mean, D.B.? You're getting a little crazy out here now. We went from this guy's the starter to now he's the best quarterback in college football that we've seen in the last 20 years. But do you think that there's enough talent in that room that it can overcome that predictability? Like, we're coming out, and it's almost like Michigan, you know they're going to run the ball. They're telling you every week, we're going to come out and punch you in the fucking mouth. I think we have a similar level of talent at wide receiver that it's like yeah we're gonna come out and throw fucking stop us 
Did I lose Chris yeah. Drew? I mean, I, 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 I guess, huh? Oh no, I thought I lost you there. <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no. I um, I, I guess like the NFL and Ryan Day doesn't want him to be predictable. And honestly, like if we wouldn't go four wide last year with with Paris and DeWand as as our tackles, I do think it would be tricky for us to go four wide this year. Um, but like in in a two minute situation, like right before the half, we're not going to run the ball anyway. And honestly, Ryan Day says this and then turns around and gets pass happy as hell. So I, I really, I really don't, I really don't know. I really, I really, I really don't know. I would like to see four wide sometimes. I think that's okay. The same way that, like, you know, you go two tight ends, running back in the game. You know, it's going to be a run play most times, right? Maybe. I don't know. That's we go true. in tight, like, like on third and one. We know we're going to run the ball, right? Are we? No, we're going to throw um, uh, a slot fade to fucking Cade Stover, bro. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm going to go cry. <laughs> um, one of the other questions that uh, Marv got asked, he got asked about Emeka being healthy and what that means. And he said that he has noticeable explosion. And that's something that we talked about a lot last year about dead legs in that room, but also the injuries that Emeka was battling through. How much do you think a healthy Emeka means for this team, especially for Marv with the threat that he's going to be? Because I mean, you talk about can do, do teams have a fourth corner that can cover Carnell? How many teams have a second wide receiver on their team like a, a Mecca Buka? I mean, I think he's wide receiver one at every other school in the country other than Ohio State. Yeah, the, the Mecca story last year was one of the more um, under talked about things in all of Ohio State, mainly because a lot of his like injuries and like being nicked up kind of hit the wayside, like were not was not talked about because everybody else on the team was was damaged and beat up. I mean, we had running backs, you know, one was healthy every week. We had to rotate through, swap them around. But here's a fact. Emeka had a super impressive year last year, about 100 less yards than Marv when he dealt with a lot more. I mean, that's a guy that it's all it's been talked about. In Ryan Day's offense, that slot position is so important. It's difficult. And JSN was repping the shit out of it all the way up through. So when JSN gets hurt, you're asking Emeka to go, you know, you just repped it. You just repped it Z all spring. Like you repped it at Z all camp because you were going to get a lot of work out there. Now we need you to go film that slot role and learn it on the fly in a pretty complex Ryan Day offense while you're hurt and also go be productive. And he was able to kind of check all those boxes. Um, we saw how his legs look, looked when he got some time off against Georgia. He looked so explosive, like looked like the most explosive receiver on the team. Um, and, and so I think this year could be huge for Emeka. I think Emeka having all this time to kind of work in a slot and at the Z um, during, you know, spring and fall camp is going to turn things around. And honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if because of how the Ryan Day offense is constructed, if he leads the team in receptions and maybe yards, because I do think he's that. And I also think he's best with the ball in his hands out of between him and Marv. I think he's absolutely the best uh, yards after catch guy. Marv actually got asked by, about that in the interview, and they asked him. He said he said in the uh, off season that he wanted to prove his yards after catch, and they asked him, "How do you do that?" And he said, "Game reps. Like, mm -hmm. You can't really practice that when you're getting when you're playing two hand touch in practice." So we'll see if he's able to actually take that uh, next step this year. And he also talked about training against David Igbenosen this offseason, and he said that they have been battling. You hear iron sharpens iron come out of that out of the Woody Hayes Athletic Facility all the time, and uh, he's, Marv was saying after every practice, uh, David's asking him, do you want to work on releases? And they're getting an extra 30 minutes in. So what does that big body corner challenge Marv every day? It's uh, – I, I I said on on the, on the Menace of Sports show, Igbenosin is the best thing to happen for Marv in terms of development this year. Like one of the things that I wish Marv did a little better was be more physical at the line and kind of start to bully corners. And Igbenosin is probably a top three most physical corner in all of college football. He's gonna he's gonna grab you. He's gonna push you. He's gonna jam you. He's going to force you to get good at releases and marv when he's locked in we've seen it before a lot of really good releases and that utah game was releasing the shit out of some running backs but 
last year at times, it did feel like because he knew how gifted he was, he did have some lazy releases and some lazy routes. With Igbenosin, he's physically imposing and can move you off your spot. So it's going to force Marv to get even more polished, which honestly leads me to think that he could take another significant step. And it's scary for a guy that size to have the reps against a corner that physical to force him to take that leap and be more physical at the line of scrimmage. So I'm really excited for it. And I'm glad that Igbenosin has that kind of that work dog mentality and will be there with Marv. Cause that's one of the things that gets talked about. Like, like once Marv leaves Ron, you're going to get like the Kobe Bryant level stories about his work ethic. And it sounds like Igbenosin is with him every step of the way. It's like, no, nah, nigga, fuck that Monarch machine. Get on the line. And let's work on these releases. And I love that about Igbenosin. And I love that Marv kind of acknowledged that. Yeah, that was great to hear from Marv. And I'm glad that he's really out there being challenged. And it's not just, you know, like you said, him running out there with the jugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that Monarch machine's cool. We know you can catch the ball. Come (laughs) strap up, bro. They better, they better get like the uh, Juju Smith-Schuster bike chain on that thing because Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be trying to sneak that thing out of the facility at the end of the year and take it with them. Yeah. No, bro. I, no, he, so, so here we go. Fun fact, Ron. He got a Monarch deal. What? He has an, a Monarch NIL deal. That's one of his, 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 one of his NIL deals. Oh, he said, give me one of them. Yeah, he Send said, I, to the I actually need one. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the Ohio State guys are pretty resourceful with their NIL. They're like, I don't want a bag. Uh, I need I need a new toothbrush. Someone <laughs> give me a I deal. Need, I need a new tractor. We're decayed Stover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're decayed Stover. That's um, what he said. He said I'd rather get tractors than money. That's crazy. <laughs> and that it's crazy for him to say that. And then at their house, they have to jump the lawnmower every time they want to cut the grass. What are we doing here? That's what I'm saying. Schoenstein, get this man a new push mower. <laughs> what are we doing out here? So I'm saying, but, like you got you got you got Tommy and Cade and Steele in the same house, and they gotta jump the lawnmower every time they want to cut the grass. What are we doing? I, I just know. got a call from HR. I mean, I had a talk with Q yesterday. I said I'm fucking done with you. All this love for Indiana apologizing for Michigan in Maryland. Yeah. Saying, uh, saying the Buckeyes are going to fall off after this year. I was just, I had enough, bro. There's only, <laughs> there's only, I, I'm just done with Aaron Scott's brother and I had to kick him off the show, but HR called me and said, I can't term his contract because it's going to cost me too much money. I already put the down payments down for his two Rolls Royces at the BDMG Christmas party. So we have to keep our guy Q. So I'm going to bring him on to the show here. <laughs> Bro, don't let him lie to you. These niggas don't pay me at all. <laughs> this is costing me money. <laughs> Bro, it's like, did you guys see that? that did you guys see that NBA post? No, nah, what is that? No. Someone posted from the official NBA Facebook. Yeah, and was like, how do I log out of this thing? Anyway, I quit weeks ago. Like, basically, this place sucks. They don't pay me enough. <laughs> they overwork me. So I had to get up out of here. It was just, it was, it was comedy. I, you know, he was complaining about health insurance. And, but I mean, we have great benefits here at BDMG. Uh, if you need any vacation, if you need health insurance, we send you a bottle of truth or juice and tell you to toughen up. So <laughs> all you need. <laughs> That is that is the only medicine and health insurance that we got around here. But I want to keep it rolling with these interviews. Mecca talked about Carnell again, and he said that he's a trash talker in that room. And one thing that Denzel Burke said in his interviews last week is that these zone six guys don't really talk. What do you think? I know Carnell's from Chicago, but he did play uh, for SFE. He's been uh, in South Florida for the past couple years at IMG. Brandon Ennis, a South Florida guy. Bryce Rogers from uh, from Florida, not South Florida. But what do you think these Florida guys are going to add to this room? Because I know we didn't have talkers before, but it sounds like we have some talkers in there. He said that Carnell will be the first one to let you know if you had a drop in practice. Oh, man, I would I would say, um, well, first, I'm surprised Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't more of a trash talker because bro, I'm gonna let you know there's a reason God didn't give me those gifts to go out and make plays like that. Because if I did, oh dear Jesus, 
you'll be you'll be <laughs> you'll be fighting me by the second quarter i'll be like damn dude you better go back to d2 i don't know what you're doing out here <laughs> anyway but no oh, these, yeah. that's a rotten tomato insult we need some real insults q oh y'all know y'all know chris like five seven right anyway so um <laughs> I'll be talking, I'll be talking crazy, but um they'll be coming yeah. back with all the light skin jokes. Let's be for real. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean I think these Florida guys is definitely gonna bring some attitude to it, and that's what I love to hear. I love to hear Carnell take in after these DBs. Brandon Ennis, we bro, we just know Brandon Ennis is gonna talk trash. So I'm like, yeah, bro, let, let's get it. Let's get some attitude in this room, let's go make plays, and let's let people hear about it. That's the kind of attitude I want to bring. I, I knew Ennis was on shit in his black stripe video when he when he broke off somebody, snapped somebody's whatever, and then pointed to them as he's going into score. I'm like, oh yeah, if you're doing that to your own teammates, like like you definitely have that extra shit to you. Like to point at somebody as you're scoring because you just broke them is crazy. And I agree with you, Q. If I had gifts like that, oh dear Jesus, I'll be the worst. I'd make sure every game we go into, I knew the all the corners girlfriends' first names. I, I promise you that would be the thing. I would know their first names. It was, it was, if it was third and seven and I caught a five-yard slant, I would I would toss the ball and be like, you know, tell Rebecca I said what's good and then just draw, jog back to the huddle. Like, I would be on that the whole game. So I would probably get fought too. And I think my insults are better than telling someone to go back down to D2. But who am <laughs> You know, I? my favorite my favorite thing that I've heard, and, like, it's not even it's not even a crazy trash talk, but it was just so funny to hear this story. When Michael Jordan, he would start games, he would score his first bucket and they say 38. Then he would score his second bucket and say 36. And they're like, damn, if he could do zero, he should put 40 on my head. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> no, but the best, in, the best insult ever is that he should have been a beverage. Like, that one goes crazy. <laughs> that one will stop anybody dead in their tracks. I was sitting here spinning it in my head. I was like, Chris hasn't said it yet. Am I going to have to deliver it? Because I didn't know if he was going to say it on the show. But that would absolutely make me want to fight you like Cortland Finnegan and <laughs> Andre Johnson. Like, we'd out there be rumbling. You call me a beverage while we're out here competing on an athletic <laughs> endeavor? Like, we got to fight. I'm sorry. Yeah. If it's past the point of football anymore, it cannot be settled on the gridiron. It has to be settled with fisticuffs. Yeah, that's the one that stops anybody dead in their tracks. Like, man, you really should have been a beverage, but that's none of my business. And they keep it pushing. Like, that one will boom. But shout out to the SFE boys because not only are they talking shit, but they seem to be both playing really well. I mean, obviously, the rave, it's been rave reviews for Carnell Tate. And then you saw that, you know, even though Ennis got there late, if you look in the grand scheme of practice time, he got his black stripe off really early when, when you really sit back and think about it. Yeah, he did. And all uh, the SFE guys get a lot of hype, and I feel, and I want to apologize to Bryson Rogers right now. He was the second receiver to get his black stripe off in this room. Uh, we had our guy Anon on, and he talked about the the three headed monster in the freshman class. Bryson Rogers, a super underrated guy, always gets forgotten when we talk about these wide receivers. Emeka Buka had a really interesting note. So they have a stats board up for zone six in the locker room. And he said he was looking at it the other day. And he said that Bryson Rogers has a 90% completion percentage when targeted this fall. That boy getting open. Talk about creative separation. He going crazy. That's I, I don't know. I don't know what show I said it on, but I, of the group, he's the best at generating separation. He's so light on his feet. Um, really, really explosive, and he looks like he's still growing at a pretty significant clip because now I'm, I don't know if you guys saw him next to Ballard. He looks taller than Ballard, and he's a guy that talked about just like working on the route tree was the most important thing for him, like just being able to run every route, being able to play all three receiver positions. Looks like he has the feet to play in the slot. He said he likes to play the X, but is fast enough to play the Z. He told me um, when he came on for an interview that he was the fastest of the freshman receivers. And he said, he said, I'll race anybody to confirm that. Um, and if he's creating separation and and Lincoln is thrown in the rock and he's, you know, 90 percent, take it. I want to see him back there returning kicks and punts. But I think that's for that's for after I uh, get removed from the show. 
Yeah, man. I remember. Um, I always remember when we got the Bryson Rodgers commitment. I think he was only what like a three star at the time. It was, yeah, it was something star. crazy. Yeah, and like and he had got some flack from the fan base of like, why are we we get five stars every year? Why are we taking three star? And I'm like, I cut on this dude's film, and I'm like, one who's ever ranking him is is insane. Just just by his clips alone. But I'm like, this dude's an absolute dog. His route running, like, if you walk out on Friday and you and you see this dude balling, you're like, okay, where's he going? He's got he's got to be going somewhere big time. So just they did him to the service in the ranking, but he's an absolute dog. I love the way he works. I love his attitude. We talked to him on multiple occasions. Just a grown man in like a you know 17, 18 year old's body. Like he knows he he gets his lunch pail. He goes to work and he works hard. So big time, Bryce Rogers. No, the ranking system super fucked up. When the top two schools that you're deciding between are Alabama and Ohio State, and you're a three star. Someone needs yeah. to look in the mirror and decide that they don't know about recruiting rankings. That's yeah. simply what that is. And Imagine also, like yeah. sitting there with your little two four seven hat on, like yeah. I know more than Brian Hartline and Nick yeah. Saban. <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, even even after he committed, I don't know if anybody knows this, but even after he committed to uh, to Ohio State, Bama was still pushing to get him on campus, still trying to recruit him. So that kid is definitely much better than his ranking um, from Florida. Going to be a really good player, um, and I'm I'm excited for him. But he, but naturally, he will remain underrated, right? Because you know when you generate a lot of separation, you catch a slant. It's like okay, cool. And then, but when Noah Rogers is catching the ball at defenders' back, it's like oh my god, look at his freaky ball skills. Look at that. That's a highlight yeah. play. So, so naturally, he'll remain underrated. But a, a really, a really, really good player, and I'm excited about him and for him. And he's, bro, he's been rocking with BDMG since early. Like he's rocked yeah. with, he's rocked with everybody since way, way back um, in, in the spaces days. So. Really excited for Bryce, and that's that's a great stat. And again, Lincoln Kynos back there, like, fuck it, <laughs> he's out one there of the Rogers, Yeah, one of the Rogers is down there. <laughs> yeah, and I the only I mean the only concern there is the weight. Um, I think if we can get him on the Denzel Burke sophomore diet, you know, little Debbie's and Lobster Mac from Jeff Ruby's, he's gonna. I tried out. the mac and cheese from Jeff Ruby's, and I'm not mad at Denzel. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. You can't blame him. I swear, bro, lived at Jeff Ruby's last year. <laughs> I would too if I could afford it. Yeah, that lobster Mac sound crazy. That was like the one time Chris Chris bought me dinner and I had lobster uh, lasagna. Oh yeah, <laughs> fire! That was crazy. Damn, Chris out there treating you like a bad bitch. I got hey, vegan nachos. Chris, yeah, Chris was holding. Chris was holding this down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got, you got, got robbed, lobster. Bro. This nigga got lobster lasagna, and I got fucking vegan nachos, bro. I now see where I rank in the pecking order, oh, bro. I think, I think I caught. I think I caught Chris while he was lit. That's what I think it was. <laughs> he, so Chris, I called Chris. I was like, I was lit. He was lit. I'm like, yo, what up? Blah, no, blah, I yo. wasn't lit. I think I had a concussion. I literally just. I just boxed like four rounds. I was like feeling my face. I couldn't feel that shit. And then like I'm t- on the phone with Q, and I'm like, "Fuck it, everybody eats." And everybody, like, I want to buy you dinner. I was like, "All right, yeah." yeah. <laughs> that's that's how that's how that's how that's how it was going. That's how it was going. Let me so let me know next time you box. One more thing I wanted to hit on from the Mecca uh, interview before we move on is the um, is that he said that Julian Fleming is becoming much more of a vocal leader. And he's now the second person to tell us that. Q, do you remember who else told us that way, 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 way before wide receiver interviews? Anon. He's, he's a guy he's Anon. He's a we had leader. Anon come on after the open practices, practice one and two, and we said, who are the most vocal coaches and who are the most vocal players out there? And he kind of chuckled because he knew we weren't going to like the answer. And he said, Julian Fleming had an awful day, but you could tell he was a leader out there. He had a rough day at camp, but still was that voice on the field. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Does that surprise you, like, that Julian Fleming has stepped into such a vocal role? I Maybe it does surprise me a little bit. I think it does surprise me because I think that naturally the way the fan base is kind of called for things to change um you would think that that would kind of lead to a guy being checked out but he seems to get it i mean julian fleming has obviously had an intriguing career at ohio state injuries have played a big part in it you know number one player in the country 
um, per ESPN. Like, like all, all of that went into it. So he did come in with, with a little extra hype and had, you know, a lot of times people talk about blue chip personalities, like be, you know, almost being, being a diva is kind of things that get hinted with being kind of that. So it's really refreshing and, and good to hear that, uh, that, that Fleming has been a vocal leader and, and has really bought in and does feel the way of the brotherhood. I mean, that, that makes me feel like this team is on a championship run even more because when you have a guy like that, that is a vocal leader that maybe when they're not having the best day, will still look to elevate everybody else. That's much better than the guy that, you know, has the towel over the head when they don't have a great day. So yeah. I, I feel really good uh, about that from Julian Fleming. Um, he was one of the guys I had on my list, Q, I don't know about, about you, that I thought was going to end up being a captain this year because yeah. we had heard that he was, you know, he won. I think he was one of mixed champions, too, in this, this offseason. So, uh, you know, I'm, 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 root, I'm rooting for Julian Fleming. I know he's been beat up. I know that this has not been kind of the road or path he envisioned for himself as the number one wide receiver. Um, but to know that he is being vocal and, and helping out the young guys, to me, is really, really important. Yeah, man, I've just been, in, and that's great to hear. I mean, he's in his fourth year. He's come in. Yeah. He was highly recruited and all that stuff. But it's good to see him take that leadership role. And I think parts of this is what makes this team different. Of Usually we'll have an Evan Spencer. We'll have guys like that who are maybe not like your first-round prototypes. But they bring so much attitude and so much presence to this room, and it just levels up the room. The crazy thing about Julian is he's got a first-round body. He's got first-round athleticism if he can stay healthy and just put all those things together. And that's what we waited for for so long. Like, we waited, like, okay, like, last year we thought he was going to put it together. We started to see a little bit of it. Then he dropped off a little bit at the end of the season. But to know his mindset's right as long as his body's hold up and we're all rooting for him because I still believe he can go out and be a third-rounder or, you know, be a fourth-rounder if he really puts everything together. But to see him take that leadership role and be like, hey, you know, I'm not the guy here. Mars clearly the guy. You know, Emeka's probably running too, but I still have service to put in this room. I still set the attitude. I set the tone. I've been here the longest, um, I guess besides Xavier Johnson. But <clears throat> just all that and taking that role of even if I don't have a good day, this room is not going to have a bad day. That is the thing that starts to separate teams from just being good to great and that's the push this room needs and that's the leadership this room needs because like we talked about earlier team ain't got a lot of trash talkers i mean we we got dogs on the field but so much of that is just is attitude it's presence it's like yeah like you can make plays but when you start to bring that attitude on teams really feel it like you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just a different level <laughs> like you know you love like when I would when I was playing athletics and you're playing against a really good player, like he's not talking, but he's like putting in work. It's like, okay, like you know, this sucks. Like he, he's cooking, I can deal with that. But when you add that to somebody who's really letting you know about it, the yeah. score, and it, it's it's almost demoralizing. Well, it's 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 Kawhi Leonard versus Kobe Bryant. Yeah, it's like it starts to get demoralizing of like. He's talking. He's, he's he's beating me. He's driving past me or he's catching touchdown over me. And now I'm starting to feel like that on myself. I'm feeling that internal pressure. And eventually that that breaks people, especially when you're better than them. So I want that attitude for this room. I think Julian taking that leadership role is amazing. And I'm just excited for him. I'm hoping he breaks out. I'm hoping he holds that wide receiver three spot and puts it together. And I hope I know he's injured in the spring, but I'm hoping this summer he really put in work. He's really gotten better. I think Zach the other day said Julian has gotten better um, and he played well in the Georgia game. So I'm just hoping, you know, he can really become what we thought he was and, and at least be a mid round pick. You know what that Georgia game should do for eye opening reasons? What? The Georgia game should. Force Brian Hartline to take the Larry Johnson approach. Remember Larry Johnson in his interview said, I want to see guys playing at full speed yeah. for as many plays as they can, and then when they're not, take them out of the game. Yeah. I want to see Julian Fleming out there playing full speed, five or six plays, and then if he gets tired or whatever, immediately put in Ballard until Ballard can't go full speed. And then put Fleming back in, let him go full speed. I mean, that's a simple way to, uh, to rotate yeah. and keep – kind of the most explosive athletes in the game. Because really, that's what you want a wide receiver. You want game changers. And both of them being able to play as fast as possible makes them and this offense even more difficult to deal with, um, especially if you got one corner out there. Because corners don't get to rotate like that. Like, people don't really <laughs> – <laughs> we, we recruit receivers. So wear guys out, 
play explosive. You need guys like Fleming on the team. Maybe not all about, you know, the crazy, crazy numbers, but we call those glue guys. And yeah. if you out there and, and play full speed and, you know, hit those corner threes in clutch moments, <laughs> yeah, let's roll with it. Um, but also you, we need to see Ballard as well. And, and honestly, we're going to need to see Tate because we're going to be losing at least two, maybe three receivers from this room. So the young guys got to be ready. That, that's that's where that's that's that is how yeah. I feel. Who would you rather um, Fleming split time with at the Z, Carnell Tate or Jaden Ballard? I would say Jaden Ballard. Um, all the hype we're getting out of Carnell Tate, he sounds like an ex man. He he sounds like he sounds like your number one guy. I would love to see him behind Marv and give him rest times. I know Brian Harlan wants to play Marv until he literally can't walk off the field <laughs> exhausted. Mm -hmm. I would love to see. It. I mean, if he's all the hype, people are talking about Marv said he's better than me when I was going my sophomore year, which is crazy. Which I have. I, I love all the hype. I gotta see it. <laughs> like, now I gotta like, believe that shit, man. Yeah, I'm not believing it until I was like, that sound good. But I, I think Jaden Ballard, it's his time, man. He's another guy highly recruited coming in. They just like I like the way this coaching staff has done things, and and not the criticism because Brian Harlan has done an excellent job in this room. But it's not just him, but his overall coaching staff is like. We hear about these guys. We wait for them to show up, and it seems like they wait so long before they get their opportunity, and then they show up like Malik Hooker, and it's like, wait, what? Like, who is he sitting behind? Like, this, this is one of the best we've seen in a while, and, like, it just, like, my trust is, like, I need to see it on the field. Like, put him on the field. Let me see what he can actually do, and then I could be like, okay, I see why you're playing him, or I see why you're not playing him, or I'm like, why is he anymore? So, Jaden Ballard, it's his time. He should be splitting reps. He's a speed guy. I mean, Ron talked about it. He wears that number nine. Like he, he's the fast guy. You talked about it as well from Maslin. It, it's his time to go. So I would love to see him and then Cardinal Tate at X. And start to rotate these guys in. Let's get this deep room, man. I'm tired. Tired of the guys looking slow against Michigan and Georgia and all that late in the season. Like, let's get this room bumping. And as good as this room is, like, like Ron to the 2023 20, class, but even the class we have, these guys should not leave here without a ring. Here you are. I got I got something for you, Q. Uh-huh. You know, in the second half of games, we got really, you know, run happy when we're blowing teams out. We're not we're not trying to throw the ball. You know, common courts hardly throwing. Devin yeah. Brown has, has no pass attempts. This year, Ryan Day is going to be calling a number. Uh, Ryan Day is going to be opening up games, calling plays. Yeah. I think that he'll get Brian Hartline experience in the second half calling games and because of that i think we'll throw the ball more in the second half because we're trying to get brian hartline the reps as a play caller and with that i also think he'll use that to get the young guys more playing time and get them more balls yeah you i'm i'm rocking with that man i think that like that's a good point. Brian Harlan, especially when we're blowing teams out later in the later in games, are gonna get time to play. And he's gonna want to run the offense. He's gonna want that experience. And that's big time for the development of not only the wide receivers, but the entire offense and the quarterback. Because Kyle McCord threw less passes last year than, than Drew Aller. And he's got a year over him. And I know Drew Aller played again, but I'm talking about significantly. He only he only threw like what? He had like what, 17 attempts last year, Kyle McCord. Something like that. And they were all was, rollouts, bro. Yeah, it was something crazy. So I will. I always say Ryan Day puts on his best Dean Smith impression, but I would love to see them actually roll it out there and let young guys play and give these yeah. guys experience. Last year, we dedicated every second half to trestle ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, we ran that like PA rollout. That was the only time we ever let Common Court throw the ball, and we let we've literally never let any other quarterback run that. Yeah, no, it's it. It, like it was Justin absurd. Fields wasn't doing that. CJ Stroud wasn't doing that. Dwayne Haskins, for damn sure, wasn't doing that. Yeah. It's that. It's that rollout. Flip it got, to Ballard. Yeah, running the ten ten yard out and throw it. And um, Cam had a question in the chat. Um, of guys, he said Kojo and and, and Kion Grays. Do you think transfer out? What do you expect from those two guys this year? I know we talked about that twenty two class and how much like they were. In, in danger of getting passed up those two guys have stuck around um they're still here we've heard good things about both of them spurs kojo we've heard he's had a good camp what do you expect from those two guys and do you think they just get passed up and are out of here do you think they somehow stronghold and, and keep a spot somewhere in this room um 
I'm not sure what those two dudes can do. Like, I, I, have, I have no clue what, what they can do. But, you know, Kojo, I heard, had a really good spring and has made some pretty big flash plays, at least in the mm-hmm. fall to this point. Um, I heard Gray's had had some concentration drops. I mean, it seems to be kind of one of the one of the young player things. But I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I I think they get passed up personally, just because I do think this twenty three class is ridiculous. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a Georgia tampered with Kojo, um, considering their recent misses at wide receiver. But um, I think we'll know really early. I think we'll know by week two if those guys are going to end up playing for Ohio State or not. Um, if I'm being really honest. Yeah, because I would love to see them on the field to see what they can do. I know Kojo, like you say, he's made some wild plays in camp. Um, I think he's more of a – I don't know. What would you – Kojo was like, like a Z? I think they're both like Zs. I think they're both slots. Are you, you think they're slots? I don't think Kion's a slot. I think Kion is like your Devin Smith guy. He's supposed to be the one stretching the field. Going You're just down saying that because he's light-skinned. No, I'm not. I'm saying that because that's what they make him do. Every time you see the highlight from Kojo, he's running to go. <laughs> oh, well, I thought you were talking about Keon. I mean, yeah, Keon, Keon, my fault, Keon. Yeah. Every time you see him, he's running to go. Literally, you're right on the right side of the field, running to go. Like every time you're talking about that one clip during bowl prep. No, I've seen him do it in camp highlights as well. He's running to go. Right. In the spring game, he ran goes like that's what he and he talked about his speed when um when they talked to him during spring ball like that's what he does so I would just um, go through all of my uh all of my videos that I save randomly and one of the ones that I had it was a uh, it was a video of Clint Ewers throwing the ball to Keon yeah <laughs> and I was like you're gonna be seeing a lot of this in the future and I'm like damn saw none of that <laughs> no you're not <laughs> you're not gonna be seeing a motherfucking thing of this in the future it's shit's over and yeah. dead it's gone oh man but yeah big big season for them hopefully they can you know make an impact and show us what they can do but they have mm-hmm. a high they're a high danger zone of it's now or never for them welcome back ron thanks i mean i tried to join the stream but um my camera was a little fuzzy so had some issues there. I hear we're talking 2022 20, wide receivers. Yeah. Our favorite. I topic. do have to roll out, guys. I'm so sorry. No problem. I appreciate you holding yeah. it down. For sure. Appreciate you both. Bye. Thank Q. you so much. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you. So before we get out of here, Q, we got a couple more notes from the wide receiver interviews. A big shout out to Chris Drew for filling in for us. I had to step away for a moment, so he was here a little longer than we had him scheduled. So a big thank you to him. Um, The last thing that I had was Brian Hartline's actual interview. He said he hasn't felt a lag from... Brandon Ennis, despite just enrolling. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. These SFE kids are really just coming in and making a statement. You really can't say enough about that program down there and what seven on seven means to these kids because you can tell the difference in development from these kids that are playing football year round and how prepared that they're coming in. And that's something that he touched on about all the seven on seven that they're playing. Yes, guys don't have that. They're not being tackled year-round, but that constant repetition, they're constantly battling against DBs, they're constantly repping their routes, it just puts them so ahead coming in. you got three guys from Florida that have played 7-on-7 all through high school and clearly showing because last year we saw guys in that 22 class not getting their black stripes off until bowl prep. I mean, we have two weeks. We're two weeks out of week. We're two weeks out from the first week of the game or the first game of the year. And every every wide receiver in this freshman class has their black stripe off. I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, man. So obviously, so you're starting back with the point you touched on last year. Clearly, those guys weren't ready to make that transition. They weren't clearly as prepared as it did take them a long time. I mean, we were we were like, has, have they got their black shots removed today? Like they still did we, did we miss a couple videos? I had to question, make sure they 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 actually had got their black stripes removed. But um, um, jokes aside, these guys have been prepared and ready to go. And Brandon Ennis, like you touched on, with they down there, they play football 24-7. Everything that he's done, he's done probably a million times to this point. And it's just got that familiarity and so much repetition that he came in prepared to play. Brandon Ennis was the only overall five-star in the Big Ten, which is just crazy for the conference. What are y'all doing? Go recruit somebody. But 
him and Cardell Tate at different places were five stars, but yeah, he was the only one overall. And like you called him months ago, the boogeyman of this room of a guy who was going to come in and instantly demand playing time, especially with JSN walking out the door. Um, big shout out to Brandon Ennis. Heard he's come in, heard he's acclimated quickly, and heard he's making plays. Um, getting the uh, black star removed so quickly, it was like, hey, he just got here. Who's he been here for? I mean, he's got here in the summer, but it feels like school. Started. This dude a week later, you know, he's already got his black stripe off. So big time credit to him, man. He looks like a dude. His body is right. He looks like he's ready to play. I mean, the legend of Brandon Ennis has been going on for what six six years now. You've, you've maybe heard about this guy. I heard about him like years and years ago. Varsity is an eighth grader. Yeah, I wasn't even following like recruiting like that. And I heard about this dude, Brandon Ennis. So um, it, more more power to him. The legend continues to grow. Can't wait to see what he does. I think as much hype as we got Cardinal Tate because he's been here and he's been legitimate. Brandon Ennis is going to find a way in this rotation. He's going to find a way to get on the field. He's going to find a way to make his impact impact felt. Um, how big that will be with this deep uh, with this deep room, we don't know yet. But he is a guy who I felt like is going to be at times where the season where it'd be like, oh, okay, like this dude is coming. He's next up. Just like we got shades of Garrett early, we got shades of Chris Olave early. So I think he's going to follow in that line. Absolutely. Another thing that uh, came up during Brian or during Brian Hartline's interviews was I didn't even notice this until and shout out to the beat because, you know, I rarely give them their flowers. <laughs> Great question. I don't know who asked it, but someone brought up the fact that Brian Hartline has had the past two Blocko candidates in his room. What type of standard is he setting in that room? And I, I feel like just that honor being placed on two people in his room shows the type of uh, character required to be a part of that room and part of the evaluation that's going into the guys that are being brought into that room. So I just wanted you to speak on that. And did, did that even surprise you? Did that register when XJ got named the block O candidate that, Oh, the wide receiver room has now produced two of three block O candidates. Yeah. I honestly didn't think about it now until you, until you're bringing it up, but um, obviously we got to go back, like shout out to Zach Smith and the, the experience he left that room with. And you talk about when these guys would talk, they would say Paris and, and Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon. And those were the guys who set the path. They set the standard and going from there, it has continued. I mean, Cam Babb, it's almost like God said, when you, when you would see that dude talk and you would feel his presence, you understood why he had so much respect for the team. And it was like, I don't know, man. I, I had times where I'm like, I'm looking up to this dude. He how many years younger? <laughs> I was like, this is a grown man, bro. So it, it was super cool. And, and XJ, we we really got to really learn about him last season and, and, and learn what kind of presence he built and how much he was a dog on the field and just a leader by example. And even though he, he wasn't the best player, you wouldn't know it when you saw him walk out there. His attitude, his ability to make plays, ability to do anything for the team. It's just amazing. So, yeah, the – <clears throat> excuse me the presence in that room is amazing i mean i remember kion grays when i first saw him when he was interviewing with berm i'm like this is a dude i would want at ohio state and he's he's not even one of the frontline guys he's not the guy making plays he's not maybe the next star but just the attitude he brings is just like wow like i see the guys brian harlow is going after and it's so important to that room and bryson rogers bryson rogers i mean the, the the block O is so much of like sometimes it's adversity you've gone through and then sometimes it's just guys who do the right thing and stick around. But if those guys were to stick around, I would say Bryson or or, or Kion would be block O candidates just by their attitude and the presence and what they bring to the team. And it's just like Brian Harline really picks character well, which is very hard in this game where you're dealing with the best athletes in America. It, I don't know how these dudes stay so humble. Like I said earlier, I don't know how they do it. <clears throat> I would be talking crazy, but that's why I got the block up. So <clears throat> just impressive how he's built this room together and continues to build this room. So I see that we have 70 people in here. I want to thank you guys all for being in here with us this morning. Make sure you smash that like button. I want to be sure to remind you guys, make sure that you download that Bleacher Report app. I will be live today in the Bleacher Report app at 2 p.m. doing an Ohio State season preview. So make sure you tap in today on the Bleacher Report app for the Ohio State season preview. I got one more question for you, Q, before we get out of here. Do you think the talent in this room acts as a screening process 
for the type of guys coming in because if you're a type of guy that doesn't want to compete and wants things handed to you and you look at this wide receiver room, it ain't out. This ain't the room to come in here and rest on your laurels. So I just want to get your thoughts of what this what the talent in this room does for recruiting. And do you think that scares away guys that might not be ready to work as hard as you need to work in this Ohio State wide receiver room? Um, I think it's definitely a screening process and, and for two things. One, you know you're not coming in just getting the bag. Like, you know, like, it's not just like a handout. You're going to have to come in and work. And two, just the amount of talent in here. So both that plays a role in one, you got to be willing to bet on yourself. And and the way things have run now, it's, it's felt like guys are just like, you know, sometimes they chase a bag or sometimes they do that. The best players in the country are a in this room. So, you know, one, you're not going to walk in and just get all the highlights, get all the NIL deals and do like that. You're going to have to put your head down and work, which testaments to your character. And also too, just just coming here. It's a risk that you may never play. So to, to, you have to be a legitimate dog. And you have to be a legitimate grinder to even step in this room. And that's coming from Marvin Harrison Jr. himself. And you see what he is and he's telling you. You're looking for a check? Don't come here. You're looking out to work hard? Don't come here. Because you get you get both of those things, you're going to be out the door very quickly. So I think testament to Brian Harlan again of how he's built this room. And, yeah, this is maybe the for, – for the best athletes in America, this is maybe the hardest room to walk in in the country given those circumstances. So your mindset has to be right, and I think that is why you're getting such a good quality of guys from Carnell Tate to Brandon Ennis to um, Kion Grays to Bryson Rogers to those level of guys coming in. I think that's why we're getting such a high-quality guy and why we have two back-to-back Blocko you know, recipients. Yeah, I did say that was the last question, and I think it is the last question. But one other person did have an interview yesterday. And we're an hour and two minutes into this episode, and it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be an episode of the Buckeye no. Roast if we didn't fire this motherfucker, <laughs> Parker Fleming. I am so pissed off. I have this big stream this afternoon. I have to write a show this morning, and I'm scrambling for pre-show production. I'm getting Chris Drew in here. I'm trying to get the show written, and I'm like, I got to watch this Parker Fleming interview. And this <laughs> motherfucker wasted 15 minutes of my morning saying absolutely nothing, nothing, confirming exactly what we knew coming into this. This motherfucker is useless. He says he gets asked three questions every year as special teams coordinator in the uh, in fall camp. Who's the kicker? Who's returning kicks? Who's returning punch? This motherfucker had one answer. One answer. Emeka Abuka. Wow, man, how did you come up with that? The number one wide receiver in the country returning kicks, man. If there is not a more wasteful use of Ohio taxpayer dollars than this man's salary, I don't know what is. Let me know in the chat because I I don't think there is something. So I just had to get that off my chest. I was having a good morning. I enjoyed all of the interviews. I got to him. It pissed me off, and I had to get that off before we ended the show. Uh, that is your fire Parker for me segment brought to you by Dunkin Donuts. But we appreciate you guys all pulling up for today. That's all I really had to get off my chest. There's really not much more to dive in on him. The kicker battle rages on. We don't know who's going to be returning kicks. So shout out to Parker Fleming for letting us know the same guy that returned punts last year will be returning punts again. Q, let the people know where they could find you. Well, first, my quick message is Parker Fleming. It's not that hard. Jane Ballard returned kicks. Let's not get a mecca hurt. Let's let um, Lorenzo Styles return punts, and let's go on from there. If you want to find me, City Boy Quinn on Twitter, you can see it right below me. Flying to Johnson on Instagram. Minor League Films on both TikTok and YouTube. Talking movies. If you're interested in that, come on over. Ron. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at two underscore T-E-E-S. That's two T's. You can find me on Twitch at the same thing. You can find me on TikTok at two shysty. You can find me here every morning, Monday through Friday for the Buckeye Roast with my guy Q. And you can find us Sundays with our guys Mike and Cam for Buckeye BS. We appreciate you guys 
all pulling up this morning. And make sure you guys pull up at 2 p.m. Eastern today. I will be live in the Bleacher Report app. Make sure that you like Ohio State as your favorite team and look for me in the team thread. We will be live doing an Ohio State season preview. I appreciate all of you pulling up this morning. A big thank you to Chris Drew for filling in this morning. And we will talk to you in, I don't know, five hours. See you soon. Have (laughs) Have a good one, guys. Yeah.